chapter 12, verse 2, the author of Hebrews tells us, fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who intervened and completed this life, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who went before us and showed us how to go. Look at how he lived, look at how he endured, look at how he carried on, what he focused on, look, look deeply at him so you will know how to continue. Pray with me one more time and we'll continue to look into God's word. Heavenly Father, and I pray that you would uh, grant your words as I speak, that uh, your voice would be heard. God, and we, we come together for encouragement, but we come together, God, that we would see you more clearly, that we'd be equipped to follow you more closely, and that we would know how to deal with the things that life brings to us in a way that honors and glorifies you. I pray that would be true this morning. I ask that your word would reign in our hearts. We pray in your name. Amen. <coughs> Jesus calls us to look at him when we are in the midst of our life calls to us. He says, look at me, follow me, come after me, imitate me, obey me. He says, be like me. But we can't do that unless we look at him. That's where it starts. We can learn about him, we can read, we can listen. We can look at ideas. But until we look at him, we can't know him. Really look at who he is and what's going on with him. So I want to take a look at a few different situations that we have to face and find ourselves maybe looking different directions. We start to look at the wrong things, at the wrong places, so that we can help to keep our focus on Him. You know, it's so easy in our lives to look intently at our circumstances, to look at what's going on around us. Things of life easily consume us. I know that's true of me. I know there's, it seems like there's been weeks when I've been going along, chugging along, and I, I get part way or most of the way or all the way through the week, and I look up out of the blur of what's going on with my life, our family, with work, with whatever else comes our way, medical problems, financial struggles, and I go, man, I just really haven't even done anything but survive. And I think of Jesus' disciples those circumstances. Sometimes sometimes things are good. Sometimes work is so busy. People are buying so much stuff. I get 
all focused on that? How? Look, look how great I am. I'm selling all this. It's obviously not me. God, God makes things possible and we work to achieve them, but um, it's all in his hands. The disciples in Luke chapter 10, um, we find that they, the 72 have been sent out um, and they came back and they are excited. It's like it's like they're coming back to the sidelines after winning the football game. And they're like, hey, coach, look what we did. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And, and their focus isn't off. They're talking about the fact that it was Jesus' name and Jesus' power. They were doing the thing that he sent them out to do. And Jesus celebrates with them in the following verses, but he concludes it with this. He finishes it with this. He says, however... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that you have a relationship with me, and that means a difference for eternity. Even when things are good, we can be looking at the wrong circumstances, and sometimes it's more often than not we look at the wrong circumstances when things are good. Things get difficult, we tend to turn to him. He says, as great as exercising my authority, as exercising my power, as being a part of what God is doing, don't get focused on the task. Don't get focused on the event. Because you've seen me for who I am. Look at me. Know me. Let that be your focus. When circumstances are great, it's just easy to look at those things. But it's also easy to focus on repeating success. We need to make sure that we're focused on Jesus. We're focused on what he's doing. My tablet will let me see the rest of my notes so I won't stutter so much. So they're excited because they had a part in the ministry. You know, we get excited about things, but sometimes we get excited, excited kind of about the wrong things. I know It'd be exciting to become a millionaire. It'd be exciting. Heck, it's exciting to get a new cell phone sometimes. It's, it's exciting when your body doesn't make you wake up too early on a given day when you don't have to. Um, you know, it can be something very, very simple that can take our mind off of Jesus. Um, and in our lives, there's so many things. I think that's why the Bible says... It's very, very difficult, almost impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because the things of this earth will distract us. But the truth is, it's impossible for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven without the intervention of Jesus in our life. So I don't think those are the things that should, dis that should define us, but it's, it's hard when we get distracted. But life isn't always roses and chocolates. It's not always comfy beds and clean sheets and stunning victories. It's not always close friends and family and success and comfort. No. Life is real and sometimes it really stinks. Sometimes we're in the midst of the muck of life and we have a whole pile of muck and just a thimble to clean it up. We're stuck in the midst of it trying to fight our way out. Matthew 14 Peter and, all, and the disciples are in the boat. Jesus has 
sent them out and they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee and there's always some waves and there's always some wind at certain times of the day there. Uh, it's kind of like Buffaloville um, Reservoir up there where there's mountains and hills all around and it's easy for the, the wind to get going and make it rough and make it hard to be on. And, and they're in the boat doing their thing. They're fishermen. They're used to this. And, and remember they see Jesus walking across the waves. And what does Peter, Peter do? He dares Jesus. He says, hey, if you're, really, if you're really Jesus, tell me to come out there and I'll walk on the water with you. And uh, what happens? He walks on the water. He walks on the water for a couple steps. And then what happens? He's not looking at Jesus anymore, is he? He looks at the wind. And he gets scared. Now, it's kind of crazy because as soon as he falters, he still calls out to Jesus. He says, Lord, save me. But he took his eyes off of him. He knew who was going to save him. But he still didn't have faith and he didn't have the focus to keep his eyes on Jesus and he was sinking into the deep water fast. Jesus reached out his hand and brought him into the boat. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and we cry out to God but we're really not looking at him. We're still looking at the circumstances where Jesus is here and we're like God save me. This is really bad over here. He says look at me. Focus on me. It, you're he doesn't always pull us right out of that, but he says, look at me, focus on me in the midst of it. That's how you will survive. Our lives do that sometimes. We look at our circumstances. We notice the wind. We get the unexpected bill in the mail. We get the loved one gets sick. The boss gets more demanding. Our relationship frustrations get deeper. We falter, we fail. It's easy to face, well, it's not easy, but it's often that we face discouraging things. And we can get down about the difficult circumstances in this life. And we can't pretend that it's easy, but we can keep from being distracted. It seems like at those times, at those times we embrace the stress rather than looking at Jesus. We celebrate our difficulty we enhance our martyrdom. And we can get buried. I, you know, early in January this year, I don't know what happened. Work was hard. Home life wasn't hard. There was a lot of things at work that were really weighing on me. And I, I realized after a certain point, I was just incredibly stressed. And really for no good reason. But I just kept looking at the things that needed to be done, the things that weren't selling, the things that weren't getting fixed challenges that were happening, customers that weren't happy, and I was focused on the wrong thing. There were big transitions coming, new responsibilities. It's easy to justify that you'd be stressed in that situation, but the reality is it sure was tough, but it didn't need to be stressful. It didn't need to occupy my time, affect me physically. It just didn't need to, but I chose to let it. You know, and included in that, we're looking at the budget for Cornerstone. We're continually looking for a building. There was a lot of things going through my mind. Um, but I was carrying the wrong burden. I was carrying a lot of burdens, but I was carrying the wrong burden. In Matthew 
chapter 11, what does Jesus tell us? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's still a burden. It's still something to carry. It's not automatic. It's not just a checkbox and push a button. Things are better. But his is better than ours. When cir circumstances redirect our eyes, we need to be diligent to listen to Jesus. He says, look, look at me. Don't, don't look at all that. You're, you're in the middle of it. You're going to work through it. It's not just circumstances, though. I mean, really, circumstances sometimes are devoid of particular people, but the reality is relationships define much of how we live. I mean, our connection to other people is so significant. And we often refer to ourselves and each other just in relationship terms, just in the way that we're connected with this is my friend, this is my brother, this is my son. This is my coworker. This is my neighbor or a stranger. I mean, even a stranger, we give a relationship value to. Relationships define us. Here's a person from my church, an old school friend. My kid's friend's parent. The checker at the store, the customer that we deal with. Relationships take up so much of our lives. And they were meant to. God designed us to be together. From the beginning, he made it so that Adam and Eve would be together so Adam wasn't alone. But relationships can easily distract us from keeping our lives fixed on, our eyes and our lives fixed on Jesus. Relationships in all their forms, in all degrees, can both encourage us and distract us. You know, the Bible addresses this in a lot of ways, but here's just a couple to consider. After Peter was brought back into relationship with Jesus. You remember what happened? Jesus told him, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. He swore up and down as good as a Jesus following guy could do in the first century. I am not going to deny you. And lo and behold, he did. In fact, in exactly the time frame that Jesus said he would. And so... Jesus is risen from the dead. He's appeared to the disciples. And, and now they're, they're kind of having a, a morning um, <clears throat> campfire by the sea, cooking some fish, reconnecting on a relationship level. And, and Peter, is, he's just ashamed. He's not just ashamed that he denied Jesus, but he's ashamed that he denied Jesus. It wasn't just that he didn't do what he said he would by not denying him. It was denying Jesus it, now, after rising from the dead, there's just no doubt in his heart that this is God. He denied him. Jesus restores him in relationship. He asks him three times if he loves him, and of course he says he does. And then he tells him that he's going to suffer many things in this life. And the next thing that Peter says, I mean, he's just like us. He looks back and he sees Apostle John. He's like, hey, what about that guy? Is he going to suffer a bunch of things too? Like, isn't that just, just the way we are? What about him, God? Like, you know, I, I, okay, I'm, 
I'm, I'm on board. I mean, you know, at this time, at this point, being restored by Jesus, there's nothing that is going to take Peter away from his commitment to God. There's no way he's going to be distracted from who Jesus is, but, but doggone it. What about him? I mean, okay, I'll, I'll endure the tough time, but I, you know, this guy, this pansy over here, you're not going to let him get away with this. I mean, I don't know how he thought about John. It's so easy to get focused on other people. We think about, how do they live that way? How do they afford that? We think, do they tithe enough? Why are those Mormons so financially successful? I mean, really, what is God doing there? How can they have such a nice family? We can get easily a, a case of envy. We can spend too much time looking at those around us. But you know what Jesus said to Peter? He said, he said if I want him to remain alive for the rest of eternity, what is it to you? Jesus says, what is it to you? It's literally nothing. It's just a distraction when we're looking at them instead of looking at him. So in the case of envy, in the case of difficulty, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Just like he said to Peter, look at me and follow me. What is it to you? What happens to anyone else? And a really big danger approaches when we begin to think we really know how to follow Jesus. I think that can maybe be one of the biggest relationship hurdles because we've been in church all our life for so many years. We've studied the Bible. We read it every day. We're diligent with our prayer journal. I don't have a prayer journal. <laughs> but we pray. We look at him. We go to church. We go to small group. We read extra books. I mean, come on. Jesus is the most important thing in our life. Look at how we live. Luke 18, 9. Copy this one. I didn't mark it in my Bible either. Luke 18, 9. Jesus, Jesus literally addresses this exactly. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I have a prayer journal. Oh, sorry. And give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, not only do we get looking at ourselves the wrong way, but it causes us to look at other people, to look down on those who obviously aren't like us. And I really should have a prayer journal, just if anyone's feeling offended, but I don't. Um, 
But Jesus, his illustration to the Pharisees is probably so close to their real, real world situation. No wonder they wanted to get rid of him. We can get a pretty high impression of ourselves, and that's bad enough, but when it leads to a low impression of others, it's even worse. <clears throat> Jesus warns that those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and we need to realize who we are. We're sinners, and that's where we all started when Jesus called us to himself, and it was only because of his work in our lives that we were called to him. We need to keep a close eye on Jesus so that we don't end up looking down on other people. You know, and then in that parable, just as much as the Pharisees looking down on the other guy, he's looking at himself. And that's the last thing that I want to talk about is how we look at ourselves. Sometimes we get so focused on who we are that we, we take our eyes off. Do you remember uh, that sitcom from the 90s, Full House? You know, and now they got, if you follow that kind of thing, now Fuller House is out, and the second generation is now filling the house. But Uncle Joey, remember Uncle Joey? He was the, the rock star, motorcycle riding. Jesse. Jesse, sorry. What did I say? Joey. Jesse. It's Jesse. I even broke that down. I just said, <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, he'd walk by a mirror and he'd have to stop, jump his hair, and if he liked what he saw, what did he say? Have mercy! <laughs> he was entirely caught up in what he looked like. Um, and I don't think there's probably anyone here that gets that excited about seeing himself in the mirror. But uh, it is easy to get focused on yourself. It is easy to get focused on our success and our strengths. We do something well, we enjoy a victory, and then we begin to define ourselves by the things that God has enabled us to do, rather than who he is. Paul addresses this in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. One of my favorite verses, I don't need to look it up, but you can. For Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is not by works so that no one can boast. When Paul wrote that to the Ephesians. I think he had me in mind. It's easy to think that things go well because we're so good. It's easy to think that our spiritual life, our relationship with God improves because we're so good. It's not. It's because of who he is and what he's done. It is entirely him. In fact, we were created, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not even creative enough to come up with our own good works. God already prepared it. We're not that great, but he is. And his love defines us. At the same time, there's probably a lot of people that really don't get caught up in how great they are. I think that's the reality of life. I think there's moments we all have, we get distracted, but I think it's easier to be discouraged than prideful. I think discouragement can become a pattern where pride is momentary here and there, in general. 
we mess up, we struggle with sin, we can't discipline ourselves the way we want, whether it's about food, whether it's about Bible reading, whether it's about exercise, whether it's about sleep, we can't lose the 15 pounds. We say the wrong thing and embarrass ourselves and other people. We think about the wrong things. It's pretty easy to believe that we, we become unworthy. And that we need to get ourselves fixed up. We need to get our lives in order. We need to get rid of some stuff so we can focus on God. We need to get things straightened out so that we can actually focus on Him. Thing is, when we're down on ourselves, when we face our failing so closely, when Satan reminds us of our past sin and our past failures, when we struggle with new sin, when we're distracted by our weakness, we're in the wrong place. When circumstances land on us, when the wind is high and the waves are big, in those moments you should feel something. Jesus says, no, no, look, look at me. Just, just a gentle touch. Through stress and frustration, feel God's hand turning your face, focusing your eyes on him. Look at me. Don't look at you. Don't look in the mirror. Don't listen to what others are saying about you. Evaluate, evaluate yourself by me. Not by how good I am and how bad you are, but by what I've done for you. Evaluate yourself by my love for you, by my sacrifice for you, by the relationship I offer you, by the word that I've given you, by the adoption of you into my family. That's how you evaluate yourself. Look at me. When you're discouraged, don't try to escape your troubles right now. Of course, we're going to work to come past things, but right now, look at me and find peace. You're not going to find peace any other way when things are down, when things are bad. And the next, the next thing he says is follow me. I mean, anybody can look in the scriptures and see descriptions of Jesus, and we can look at him. As we want to rise out of our frustration, as we want to rise out of the desperate circumstances, as we want to build strength so that we can overcome discouragement, he says, follow me. Come after me. I am the way. Not this is the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You'll only be at peace if you're satisfied in me. Look at me and come after me. Find comfort in the midst of all that is not comfortable through me. Because life is just in general not going to be comfortable. And the way to find peace in that, to find joy in that, is to be focused on Jesus, who did it already. Look at the wrong place, at the wrong things, for the wrong reasons, and it gets us going the wrong way. And that's really where the danger comes, when we're going the wrong way. If we look the right thing, we'll be going the right way. And we'll continue to look forward at Jesus as we move towards him. You know, it reminds me 
when I uh, had just come out of high school and I was helping with a youth group and we were taking some kids from Los Angeles down to Mexico to do a missions trip. I don't know if you've ever crossed the border at San Diego, at the San Ysidro border crossing. First of all, you're, you're terrified the first time you drive through there. Yeah, they threw me in a station wagon or something and said, follow that van. And now I got six or eight kids hopping around in there. And I've never driven this road before. I've ridden it a time or two. As you come across the border, first you're intimidated because there's, you know, when police and law enforcement in the United States are, are around you, their guns are in the holster, and they're trying not to scare you to death. You know, they, they may be intimidating, but their focus is not terror. Mexican federal police at the border, completely the opposite. They glare at everyone, they have their M16 like this. It's a little scary for an 18-year-old with a carload of high school kids driving through there. What are they gonna do? What are they gonna ask me? Are they gonna make me unload? Are they gonna make me strip search? I don't know, what's gonna happen? You get through the border because they almost never stop you and if they do, they just want 20 bucks. This is 30 years ago, I don't know how it is today. You cross the border hundreds of cars, and now you're in a foreign country. And unless you head right over to the coast to get to the place we're going, you travel down that highway, and you come to the biggest traffic circle, I swear, in the world. There's 12 outlets on that thing. I was looking at the map. They've changed it since then. Now it's just like an interstate with on-ramps and off-ramps. Well, it wasn't then. It was about half a mile across the stinking traffic circle. And there's 12, you've been there, Howard, you know what I'm talking about? Isn't there like eight or 12 outlets on that thing? It, it feels like it anyways, I don't know. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but, it, but it's huge. There's at least six lanes around this traffic circle and you don't want to get caught from the inside because you're not getting out. I don't know what that one's there for. So there's all these cars, hundreds of cars in one traffic circle. And then you're scared about getting pulled over because you've heard bad things about the police will do and they pull you over. Howard's shaking his head, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's just crazy. And you know, nobody's driving with any regard for traffic laws. And there's the blue van is in front of me and I'm just supposed to follow this blue van. And I tell you what, I did not take my eyes off of that blue van. Big change <laughs> sorry motorcycle, I'm coming over, you better move. I'm staying behind this guy. Can you, I mean, there was no cell phones. This was 1992. There's no cell phones. There's, if, if I got lost, I would just hope I could get back to the US border and figure out what to do because there's, I don't even know how to use a pay phone in Mexico. I didn't have any pay, I, I would have been totally lost. And that's the kind of focus we need to have on Jesus. Like if we go any other direction, if we get following any other vehicle, thank goodness there wasn't a clone van, I'd have been in big trouble. <laughs> If we get going any other way, if we go any other direction, if we don't look at him and continue to follow him, <coughs> we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it through the good times. We're not going to make it through the bad times. We're not going to make it more happy about who we are and what we've done. We're not going to make it most of the rest of the time when we're not too impressed with what we've done. We're not going to make it. When our boss comes down on us for what we decide is no reason, we're not going to make it. When things don't work, when the customer's cranky, when 
when the big bill comes, when the bad news comes, when the phone rings and we want to hear what that has to be said. We need to follow him. Jesus calls out to us and he says, look at me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you that you would bother to focus on us, to make a plan for us, to intervene for us, to prepare a way for us, and still give us the option, still give us the opportunity to make choices, to choose follow. And I pray, God, that we would keep our focus on you, that we keep our face pointed in your direction, that our feet would follow, that our lives would grow towards you. I pray this in your name.